The Mixing Music Podcast is proud to say that we have a lot of free resources outside of the actual podcast. Visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links to find access to our free PDFs and free resources. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and today we have very special episode. We don't do guests very often on this show, um, but we have a special guest here today who is very knowledgeable, who has a lot of experience. Um, I'm personally, I mean, if you've been listening to the pod, you know how much I think the idea of like business or marketing or things outside of the creative process of actually making music, how important that is, how mysterious it all seems. And uh, honestly speaking, I'm just really excited to have a master at his craft someone that is knowledgeable about digital marketing specifically for musicians. Um, here we have Paul Crary, who is the director of digital marketing at Position Music here with us today. Paul, welcome to the Mixing Music Podcast. Thanks, DK. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, there you go. And I'm excited that you're here too. We have a lot of things that I want to ask you about. Um, no prep on this episode. Just totally, I know... A lot of people are interested. Everybody knows marketing is an important part of music, right? You, everybody starts creating music and then it's like, it's the, it could be the best song ever. Yeah. 16 monthly listeners. Yeah. You know, they're <laughs> not sure what to do. There's some fears, some insecurities, everything. Everybody has different things going on. Mm -hmm. But let's start off with this. In, this, in the context of music, um, as much as possible, what is marketing and what is the role of a marketer in the context of music entertainment? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think too, real quick, Position Music, the company I work for is an indie label here in LA. And I get a the- A big one. It's a big one. We're growing quickly. Yeah. One of the biggest indie labels. Am I, I would not say right? so. Definitely the biggest indie publisher in the world, one of them. And be hopefully soon, one of the bigger indie labels in the world. So we, I mean, the fact that you work sides. for them is like, it's no small thing. Yeah. 40 plus employees. I was employed 14. I've been there for seven years 14 now. out of 40. Yeah, seven years. It's Dang. growing quickly. Check us out, Position Music. But you bring up the 16 monthly listener thing. And one thing that's kind of cool about my job is I get to work with artists on that level. Sometimes we sign people who have never commercially released a track, but we, they're thinking about it or they're going to. And those are honestly some of my favorite projects to work on. Of course. Um, but then I also do get to do the like, you know, they already have 2 million monthly listeners, 4 million monthly listeners. And, you know, that that comes with other uh, goals and and ideas as well. Um, but what is music marketing? For me, as a music fan, I think there's music for everyone's ears. Like you just have to find your audience. And I think in today's landscape of music, there's so many different ways to market your music. There's so many different people that can access your music. I always think back to like what my grandpa, how he would have to go to the record store, get some recommendation from the guy there, the girl there, and like hopefully like the record based on like 
I don't know, the album art or like vibes. <laughs> like, yeah. and now you can do so much research. You can Google, you can be on Twitch, you can be on TikTok. And there's just so many different avenues. We have Spotify and Apple. And here in like the Western world, we're so lucky. We have pretty much all recorded music at the, in our phones, in our pocket. And so like, for me, it's, it's a, it's a exciting idea that excites me, but it also scares me. It's like, how do you cut through the clutter? How do you, you know, what, what's the stat these days? I think like a hundred thousand new songs a week are uploaded. I don't know. That could be wrong. Don't quote some me. Some crazy number. It's some insane, you yeah. know, and there's a lot of talented people out there. And so how do you tell your story and do it in a different way than everyone else and stand out. And so a big part of my job is just giving these artists those tools. A lot of times these artists are maybe afraid or self-conscious about what they're posting, about their music, about their image. And sometimes I just have to be a cheerleader. It's, it's, it's funny, like as, a, as, as someone that is a natural creative, like super creative, right? Have you met anybody that's ultra creative and not a, at least a little bit neurotic? Oh, you, you know, like, yeah. Like, so totally. there's definitely a little bit of that that everybody has to balance. For sure. I want to I speak in practical terms here, right? There's probably a listener here on the podcast um, that has that same situation. Six to 10 monthly listeners. Mm-hmm. Their music, between you and I, lots of potential. Mm-hmm. We actually probably personally dig it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, and you, for whatever reason, are tasked to help this person market Mm, themselves. mm. Now, we know the general ideas of like, find your audience, create your story. But from the beginning, if you meet someone from the beginning and and your job is to help distinguish and find their audience, what sort of steps are you taking to find an audience? What sort of steps are you taking to create a story? I'm a big fan of trial and error and just go for it. Um, uh, I think when you're at that stage in your career, you actually have the, uh, ability to just post and just try shit and just like Mm. try new TikToks, do different formats, like be weird, be funky, be yourself. I think when you, when you start getting an audience, you actually, it almost creates like a chilling effect and you're like more scared to change the formula. So I think when you're at that young career, it's just like, get as many posts up as you can. Um, think of what is, what is like a classic amount of like. Mm. A good amount of posts. So once a day, yeah. once a week. Well, TikTok would tell you once a day. Uh, I think more realistically, just to have a good life balance and not be, you know, living on social media. I think two to three times a week, every other day, is 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 a good cadence, in my opinion. Um, now there is times when it's a release cycle, and you're about to drop a single or an album or a music video, and you you kind of get the opportunity to post more during those times. And then there's off cycle times where you can kind of, you know, not talk about your music. Maybe you have a side hobby. I think a lot of, uh, artists these days are discovered through like other, um, means like maybe you like to stream maybe you're playing games on twitch like you can use that as a, as a marketing vehicle. I've had it the other way where I have an artist who makes amazing music, has a lot of listeners, but I'm like, dude, you could make money by, uh, you know, showing the other sides of you and your other hobbies. And so it's like, we're digital. It's a digital landscape now. I think like, don't hold back um, and really be authentic and think of like, um, just, yeah, when you're at that stage, the 16 monthly listeners, you have the the ability to to try stuff. You can archive stuff. That's the other thing I always tell artists is like, dude, if it doesn't work, just hide it. Like, 
it's okay. I mean, you, you obviously want every post to like catch the algorithm and do all these things, but that archive button is pretty nice too. Like, you know, it's not up there forever. Um, like fuck so, around and find out. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like seriously, trial and error. I, I went to a South by Southwest and I, I, I can't even remember who, who was speaking. I, forgive me, but he talked about how, uh, he, he was like a VC guy or something like that. And he, he says, yeah, I look for people who have like pushed the limits, made mistakes and like learn from that and are, are quick to fail and, and quick to learn. Not, not, don't make the same mistake twice. That's always like, if the post didn't work the first time or maybe first four times, probably not a good formula or a good thumbnail that you're using. Um, but I think the people that are down to just like try it, uh, go really far. We have an artist named Ryan Oaks, uh, O-A-K-E-S. And he's one of those rare breeds where he just can do everything. TikTok on his own. I help him a little bit, but like he just tries stuff and he just doesn't really, he almost has like a, I don't give a fuck attitude. And I think it really Which is does important. well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the fans love it, man. Anybody with, with any sort of success has to have some kind of a don't give a fuck. Totally. Whether, whether it's from a level of naive delusion or whether it's from something that's learned, you know, I, I don't know about you, but same with me. Like, as I get older, the less I give a fuck about what other people. Hundred percent, dude. You know, like yeah. And Ryan has haters, and he just like laughs, and he's just yeah. like, he's like, great, thanks for the engagement. You know, like it's like <laughs> it's super they're talking funny. about haters. Do you know David Goggins? Yeah, yeah of, course, of course. Have you heard in his second book, he talks about his mixtape of hate, where he he reads out loud and records his own voice of all the haters in Instagram comments, and he runs while listening to his mixtape where he's that. reading the hateful comments. I love he's just that. like owning it. I love that. But the point is, but the point is like hate is inevitable, right? And it's more about I, I love this idea. You you talk you spoke a little bit briefly on authenticity. Now, the main the normal consumer, the thing about marketing, the fear with marketing is that the idea of it feels super unnatural and forced. Mm -hmm. How do we get Beyonce on here? Mm -hmm. We get Beyonce to look like she's the top dog, like she doesn't give a fuck. Actually, we don't know what Beyonce's actually like. But there's like this media thing going on. Now, hmm. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot to say about this. Yeah. But the, I think the question that I want to bring this down to is what mm, do you, is it more important to find your audience or to create your audience? Mm, that's a really good one. I, I, um, I think when you, when you think of Beyonce like that, when you reach a certain plateau, you, the rules are like, don't apply to you. There's uh, a threshold. Yeah. Like okay. you reach like an, an Olivia Rodrigo, by the way, like she just released a music video last night and I'm like, Oh, you know, I always look at the kind of the top people or whatever, how they market their music. She's so big at this point. So in the zeitgeist that she can just do one post, say the song's out now and like, it's going to work. I think, for the 99.9% rest of us. Even even people that are just under her. <laughs> just under her. Yeah, yeah, totally. 10 million monthly listeners. They don't have that. You got to grind. You got to make sure every fan is responded to and like um, is totally feels part of the community. I think that's like, you know, what's really cool about today is like with Patreon or Discord, like you can really create uh, movement, you know, even this podcast, like you have the premium offering and you can kind of create these tiers of like, I'm a, I'm a super fan. And like, there's this, um, there's this other theory, again, I'm 
butchering, um, I'm trying to reference the right people, but um, if you can have a thousand fans that will pay 10 bucks a month, like a thousand diehard ride or die DK fans, like you can make it, man. You can make it with those $10,000 a month. Exactly. Dude. Well, I mean, and let's so, say like, it's on Twitch and they take a 50% commission. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still five grand a month. Hey, that pays rent. Yeah. Even in New York or LA or yeah. London, whatever. Like, um, and so like, I always look for when I went with growing artists and artists that are in that, you know, zero to let's just say 4 million monthly listener range. How do you connect to your super fans every single time? And how do you make them turn into advocates for your music? Cause like, let's be real. It's hard to like hear a song on TikTok and like immediately decide to leave TikTok, go to Spotify, save it to your library, whatever. But if DK is like, yo, Paul, you got to hear this fire. Like I'm texting you right now. Like you see this mixtape from, you know, I don't know, Skepta or whoever. That is like the ultimate, the the word of mouth marketing. There's, there's never going to be a better medium than word of mouth. And so how do you engage your core fans to do that with their people? Like that's always a, a lens that I look at um, for our artists. Like, yeah. So, so with the core fans, um, going back to the demographic thing, I mean, with a product, you don't want to sell someone a pencil if they've already got a pencil, unless it's like a better pencil, like it's features, right? Mm. Where it's like, this solves a problem that, mm. that you already have. Well, with music and entertainment, there's not it does, it's not like really a problem solution type of relationship. Yeah. It's like a social currency type thing. So, so the question is, with a product, you're literally finding your demographic. Okay, I, I sell electric surfboard fins with a fan on it. I got to target surfers right. at the very least. Maybe right. young surfers that are willing to try stuff out. Um, but yeah, in music, there's some people that like create an audience. Like, and maybe it's like intentional, but they, they find an... Do you find that people find an opening and take that opening? Or they create openings by being authentic? Yeah, I think it's the latter. If I had, you know, gun to my head, I had to say. I think... Uh, the music, I know it's cliche, but the music also finds the right people. Like I think. Oh, it like self-qualifies. Yeah. In a way, Mm. I think if you're, if you're authentic, we do, you know, algorithms, it's a, it's a buzzword right now there. I think there's pros and cons not to get too philosophical, but I think any technology is like net neutral, but people can use it for good or bad. Like I just saw Oppenheimer and I was just thinking about that, but that's a whole different <laughs> tangent. But like the, the algorithms do expose people to new music. Um, like I'm talking like Spotify radio, you know, your release radar, um, these made for you playlists. And I think if your music, if you can, if your music is well mastered, well mixed, listen, you know, sounds good. Shameless plug. This dude knows sounds how to expensive. do it. Yeah. <laughs> is mixed by DK. Um, but if you can catch those listeners who are hearing your stuff for the first time in that like radio, like, oh, I'm going to let the algorithm run today. You know, I'm cooking or something and I, I don't want to touch my phone. And I, I like kind of the vibe after I played my favorite artist, it kind of went to this. I think if your music, if it hits that chord, you know, for me, it's like the music that like touches my heart and like, or it gets me stoked to play basketball or lift weights or go on for a run. Like if you can... There is, if, if you get it into the system, people will just because of these robots and algorithms have the chance to hear it and, and maybe like it and have that moment. And I think that wasn't around, you know, 
15 years ago, even before 20 years ago, before the internet was really a thing, I think it, there were so many gatekeepers with like the record store, MTV, um, you know, CDs and just like physical product. It was so much harder to get your music out, just the distribution. I'm kind of a rare breed who thinks like Spotify kind of saved the industry. No, in that's that, no, to test statistically, people, you did. are completely right. Some people don't like Spotify and I get it. They, they should pay their artists more. I'm all about that. But I just think the ability to like go on CD Baby, go on DistroKid, you know, find a freelance mix master engineer out there, get your shit sounding right. And being able to like pretty much send it out to the whole world sounds like Russia and maybe North Korea. That's insane, dude. And insane. like the people are there and um, you just got to be on top of it. I think also like listening back, like big part of my job at position is analytics what's happening on Deezer, what's happening on um, WeChat in China, you know, like all these, like, it's not, I think in America, we get tied up on just Apple Music, Spotify. Dude, there's other streaming services. There's like this weird, like Thailand one that I don't even know how to pronounce. Like, and there's like little movements happening in all those DSPs too. So like my advice to like the bedroom uh, artists or is like, be on top of all that. You don't know where your music's going to pop. Um, different countries have different tastes. You could have a, oh, that's su true. a super fan in, you know, Bangkok and all of a sudden he shares it at a party or DJs it out. And then it kind of like has a little like sprinkle, you know, cultural moment in this like sub pocket. And like, how do you, the hardest part is just knowing that that's happening. And then the second hardest part is like finding out, um, how you can kind of maximize and optimize that. So I'm a big believer in like the data and just having your data on unlock. If I, I don't know if I can like shout out products, but like chart metric. Oh, I love chart metrics. Super great. Um, I think it's like 120 bucks a month. It is a little, like, it's a little pricey, hefty. you know, but, um, but it's got everything. It like, it's like the one-stop shop. I use it. I'm a professional marketer or whatever. And it like, just, it's my go-to dashboard for like, mm. all right, I'm working on kid blooms release cycle right now what is happening you know and like chart who metric. else is listening to who people that listen listening? to kid bloom and, and other, like what other playlist should you apply for it's a totally fantastic, it's a great it's tool. A fantastic tool and it's like not built by the big dsps which i like it's like mm -hmm. indie kind of has that like is it expensive startup? because they're paying for the analytics they're yeah they're all Spotify connected to analytics. the apis yeah, and yeah, like yeah. they have their data like coming in like every 24 hours it refreshes oh. which i can't imagine the amount of like server space they need for yeah, that but um crazy. shout out chart, chart metric for sure um and these distributors you know like cd baby distro kid i mean we, we work with virgin music but um they also they have really nice dashboards like just check them you know just make it i always make it my um my pin tab on my chrome browser so like every time i open up chrome i just get I just look at it quick and just see like, did anything spike overnight? Did anything mm. pop? Um, you know, position, we, we work a lot with sync music. So like uh, our music gets synced a lot into TV shows, video games, movies. And you never know, like the world of sync is so weird. Sometimes you don't even know when a sync is happening. As weird as that sounds, it like can move really fast. And a lot of times again this is just unique to position music but a sync will happen overnight and all of a sudden it'll be like a moment i'll always remember when our song was placed in bridgerton uh as, as wildest dreams by duomo it's like a string quartet uh they covered the taylor swift song it got used in the hit show bridgerton dude 
overnight viral. Like, and I had no idea that this was happening. Like they didn't tell. You were sleeping. I was sleep, literally sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I think it was also like New Year's. I think it came out on Jan 1. I always remember wow. this. So I'm like hungover. Like what's happening? <laughs> and like my A&R guy hits me like, dude. We did it. We did it. You know, and like <laughs> it's just that, that like epic hockey stick Spotify streams up. But then it, that's when my job begins, dude. That's not like when my job's over because I have to then talk to Netflix, talk to, um, you, you got to monetize that, yeah, capitalize have, like, that. Make a music video, t- try to get like every keyword on Duomo's YouTube videos. That's say almost Swift. more pressure than if you didn't land anything <laughs> right, big, right? Right. Um, and so again, and it all just comes back to like being on top of your analytics and, you know, Tyler, the creator also has like this epic video. I'll send it to you, DK, after so you can like put it in the show notes. Uh But he talks about how like there's all this hype around music before it's dropped. Oh, my God. Are you did you pitch it? Spotify for artists. Did you do all this stuff? Like literally the song hasn't even hit Spotify yet. And then uh, and then the day it's out, people like forget about it. And they're like, oh, it got on this random editorial playlist but like I've, I've already done one tiktok yeah, with this song on. i don't want to make a second no one third. no one hopped on it and like <laughs> i i tyler the creator like talks about like dude i market my shit for like months after it's out like i'm repping that and like it's easy though i get how it works because like you're as a musician and in, in our single world you're already recording the next single you know you're already like on to the next one but i think like it's a frustration of mine in the industry of like, it's all this lead up until on until release day. And then like after 48 hours after it's out, it's like, we're already talking about the next track. And so like, I always tell my artists, like, hang on to it. Like, let it ride out. Like the fans just, I know you've probably heard this song and your mastering engineers heard this song like 50 times and are sick of it, but your fans aren't, they just heard it for the first time. And so like, I think like with the pre-save culture and all that, it's great and creating hype. But I do think like the work should really begin after it's out. Um, And the industry just for whatever reason, from my experience, doesn't operate like that. And I wish it wish it was different. I wish it was like, you know, after your song is out, then you have all your content come out rather than before. And so I always try to like kind of weave that in as a strategic thing. Like it's not all about the pre-saves and the, the lead up to the drop day. It's more so afterwards. And again, I'm going to send this Tyler video, Tyler, the creator video to put it in the show notes. but he does a much better job of like talking about that, about how each song is like his baby and he wants everyone to fucking hear it. And he doesn't care what, you know, who stops him or tells him to talk about the next single. He's like, no, nah, man, we haven't, we haven't, we're not done with Yonkers or whatever track, you know, he's, he's talking about at the time. So this is crazy. You're, you're talking about also you, you kind of touched on looking at things from a consumer's mindset. Like they've never heard this song. You've been hearing it for the last six months, right. but they've never heard this song. Um, I think going into Spotify, you, you also spoke on algorithms. I have a little thought on this and, mm. and this is, Algorithms, what, do you, what, what do you think about them? Dude, algorithms is the biggest blessing ever. Because here's the thing. If it was truly, if it was truly based on money, right? Spotify, their only interest is to sell what makes them money. They have no reason. Like part of their marketing and economy of the business is not to raise people up. They only like showcase people 
if it benefits them, it keeps people on the platform. So it's like it's like this mutual, mutually beneficial thing that Spotify created that wasn't even a thing before. Like a record shop when it was all cash on hand, right? Totally. They have no reason to put your record up because it doesn't sell. Like totally. there's no purpose to even hold it. <laughs> totally. But because of now it's the like algorithm, yeah. the fact that we even have a chance, like think with this podcast, right? Apple Podcasts and Spotify promoted this podcast. When it came out in 2019, we were the number one new music podcast, number one new hobbies podcast, number one new tech podcast, all three categories for like a couple weeks straight. That changed the trajectory and we saw the hockey stick that you talked about, the J curve, right? That. that. So, I mean, all of the success of the podcast, which is, I mean, from our competitors that are doing similar thing, we're at like a 10 to 100 times Difference. And the only difference wow. is algorithm. Yeah. I haven't paid for ads. I haven't done anything special. In fact, I think my content is like, cool. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I think I'm good at talking, you know, but at the same time, like, I, I think it's a lot of the work was the fact that I provided something that were keeping listeners and they yeah. were selfishly wanted to keep more listeners yep. on. So I'm making them money. We're going to take a quick break to let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Tegler Audio based out of Berlin. Tegler makes fantastic analog pieces of equipment. Everything from compressors, both tube, VCA as well, from reverbs to recording channel strips to tube summing mixers and to my favorite piece that I personally own and have and use is the Schwarcraft machine, which is digitally controlled compression, 11 different types of compressor. I mean, this thing is built to the brim with tubes and transformers it's fantastic they have digitally controlled analog gear which i'm a huge huge fan of they've got two different pieces of that they've got 500 series gear so whether you're a tracking engineer a mixing engineer or a mastering engineer you need to check out this high quality company tegler and guess what their prices they're not they're not crazy they're mid-range prices for high-end equipment they're like a fantastic company. We love them so much. And if you want 10% off any of their gear, you can go to their website directly or from their shop directly, or I'll link it in mixingmusicpodcast.com slash Tegler, T-E-G-E-L-E-R, and use the code M-M-Pod to get 10% off your next order. Now back to the show. Yeah. Anyway, so I No, no, that. dude, it's totally right. Cause like, you got to think of it as, you got to put yourself in Apple Music CEO shoes of like, I want to I want to give people that the content that's going to keep them in my app. Like that's it's just it's just like capitalism at the end of the day. And so if you're providing the content that does that, I think it um it it goes a long way and it actually brings up a point I know we were texting earlier DK about what to talk about, but early adoption dude has gotten me really far in life early honestly. Ado- well, I mean, st- yeah. Like it, <laughs> but like Early adoption in the tech sense of like, okay, Spotify just released clips. They're just about to release this pre-save thing. Use that shit, dude. Like Spotify loves it when you are leaning into their new offerings, their new tech. Apple Music, their kind of version is they have this animated artwork thing that anyone can upload um, for their releases. And like, you'd be surprised at how much those little, you know, because think about it. They've their team and their tech team has spent like a year building this new feature um and they want adoption and so if you can be like yo spotify my distributor whoever you got to tell i i i use your new thing i use spotify clips i use the new pre-save thing i made the apple music animated art the playlist editor is pressured to like 
playlist stuff that uses their new tech. So there was a thing with Atmos too. Like Apple Atmos Music was like promoting huge. Atmos. Yeah, that's a huge thing. Dude. Not as much anymore, but yeah, like, they're no, still. It are matters. They still doing it? Dope. Yeah, it matters still a matters. lot. Like okay. for all our. I don't know because because divulge, they're making we, more money from it. Totally. Like, and it separates them from Spotify. Like, oh, you can only hear it when you're like using the fucking AirPods or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's a marketing advantage for them to promote it. Yes, totally. It differentiates although, them. Although I have to ask you, you know, I have to ask you. <laughs> I'm curious what you think about Dolby Atmos. At- Atmos <laughs> on headphones, folded down on headphones with music doesn't work. I agree. It doesn't Sorry, work. Sorry, Apple. <laughs> the punch is gone. When you listen to Atmos, like in a full system array, do you mix for great. Atmos? Are you able to? Uh, I, like I do not have. Thing. I have a set, stereo setup. Yeah, here. so you can't. Yeah. So I've I've been thinking about setting up Atmos, but like I also there's not even even with the label stuff, there's yeah. not as much demand for it. It was hot. It was it's it's cooled for a bit because it's expensive, dude. Like yeah. a lot of times, you know, we work with DK at, at Position and Hive. Like it's, it's it takes a whole other step of a new mixing master and engineer. Um, but yeah, it's a some 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 little levers are better than others. Um, that I'm glad you brought that up because that is literally a discussion point for our frontline releases. Like, should we mix this in Dolby or not? And like, you know, interesting. every time we have to decide, just we have to look at the budgets, really. I hate that it comes down to money, but it's like, is it worth it? <laughs> and that, that is it worth it threshold line comes down to, is this going to make us money? Yeah. Yeah. So like the amount of money that we spend for this Atmos mix is the algorithm going to boost us that much. It, and and it takes quite a bit of budget and quite a bit of potential mm-hmm. um, yeah. to, to make it worth but, it. Anyway, yeah, but yeah, just ahead. early adoption. I can't stress that enough. And like early adopters always win. I and most people are scared of, early, of, of totally. They, they're like, Oh, another thing. But, but I, it goes back to our little like fail quickly thing. Like at least try it, see what it looks like. And you might like, I think a big reason your podcast probably got in the algorithm was you were early into the, like the mixing mastering podcast. And the, the podcast so. is mixing music. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, come on. You, you type it in. SEO's we're not even getting into SEO. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't matter if I'm the best. I'm the first. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, I want to ask you something, which is interesting. Um, I want to... Uh, we talked about authenticity, finding your audience, right? And we talked a little bit about practical things like post a lot and do a lot of different things mm-hmm. until f- something stick. Mm-hmm. And then keep going as mm-hmm. long as that makes you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like if it feels really fake, that's a whole other situation. But uh, one, the value of authenticity up until the super high-end levels where the rules kind of change a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. You want to start fake fights and fake relationships. Totally. That's not in most people, yeah. 99% of, <laughs> even the top, you know. Uh, but I want to talk about, let's talk about this. When you're making posts, right? If, again, if I have a product, I'm going to use the product. I'm going to show, I'm going to share information about it. Maybe talk about why you may need it. Mm. But a musician, and this is where I want to ask you, because um, a musician, a singer, not only are you a singer. Yeah but you are a form of entertainment and to sell entertainment is very different from a product that solves a problem. Maybe the product, maybe the problem that they're solving is an inability to emote in a specific way. Exactly. Um, but, uh, with entertainment, is it, is it worth going? Like, should someone who is trying to market their music, is it worth, like if someone gets accidentally viral, so I have a friend that mm. went viral mm. over talking. This is kind of a, this is kind of weird and obscure, but she got viral over talking about how ridiculous 
like some some sex expectation thing. Sure. So she was talking about sex, sure. not even about music. Sure. And that went viral. I mean, we're talking hell. She viral. probably struck a chord. She it, probably it hit some like honest truth that was. True I mean, to it, was her inter- inter- and- it was funny. It was entertaining. Oh, okay, okay. Like okay. it was a TikTok thing. She's okay. like very good at talking. Okay. Okay. You know, it was entertaining. Um, but but uh, the idea that she went viral over general entertainment and that converted to listeners mm. and fans. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Like every single post that you do, should the average person marketing their music right now, should they 100% focus on music or setting Mm. up a brand? I think both. I think like, it's funny because I think each post should have a goal in mind. Like sometimes you just need to convey information. Like what's an example of a goal? Like a call to action? Yeah. Like, hey, I have a new song coming out. I Mm. want you to know this, that this Friday, this is happening. But then I think there's the more emotional posts that are like, okay, now I'm going to tell you like why I made this song. Like I went through a breakup or I, you know, went on a trip and what, and recorded this and blah, blah, blah. That adds to the story that you were talking about. Yeah. And it kind of goes around the like informational posts, um, if you will. And I think those posts, the emotional ones, the talking about behind the scenes tend to have a higher propensity to go viral than the posts that just like, new music out on Friday and here's my little clip of my music video like cropped and vertical. So like those posts tend to have a higher, like maybe less views overall, but more percentage of those viewers are retained as fans. The super fan thing. So like versus like the, the, the lady that was talking about sex, like, yeah, sure. She got hundreds of millions of views, but only 60,000 of them stuck around for the music. But I mean, you're not mad about that. Yeah, (laughs) I'll take that any day, man. (laughs) But uh, uh, yeah, I want to talk about the idea of, um, First off, I want to touch into story and what that means. Why is a story important? Dude. And what's an example of a story? Yeah, it's everything, man. I think there's Why is it everything? Because it's it taps into that emotion. And like if, if it's if, relatable. Yeah. When I listen to music and I'm really inspired by it, like I want to know like what was going through that person's mind, like when I when I when she or he made it. Um, you know, I think there's like I'm trying to think of a good example of one off the top of my head, but like I I'm a nerd about like reading pitchfork articles, reviews, what mm. studio is recorded in. And I just love that like creative process. I think as creative people, um, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you're very creative. <laughs> I think like we uh wanna know the creative process is so cool. I just read Rick Rubin's book. Oh um, yeah. Uh, it was amazing. Highly recommended. And just like everyone approaches creativity in different ways. And I think uh, being able to like know your favorite artist and how they made something is just like gold, like content gold. And now there's some artists, like I think of like Frank Ocean, who's like very mysterious. And, you know, when he came up, it was like almost this opposite effect where like no one knew who he was or like the weekend. I don't know if you remember when the weekend dropped, but like no one really knew who he was. That first mixtape, it was like this whole like blogosphere, like Drake co-signed, like tweeted his lyric out. Anyways, there's that route. But again, that's like, those are the like gold herrings. I think for, for the rest of us, you have to just put yourself out there and tell people, release the music, but also tell them why you made it, how you made it. And I think that's how you're going to capture those super fans. That- and that's specific with music. Cause I remember being like, 
14, 15 in the car by myself, just like weeping to songs and like yeah, even man. saying out loud for sure while crying, like, this is me. Yeah, dude. Like they feel me. This is the only person in the world that feels it gives me. Gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. No, literally. And I think that's a moment. I hate to say it like this, but, uh, Man, you can really make a lot of money from those people that yeah. need cash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can no, monetize you that. You can monetize that. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, but it's I want to talk about um, this, this, the story, the authenticity thing. I think, is it fair to say that most people struggle with finding how, like, first off, trying to be authentic. You, you do it on purpose. We know about being authentic. Like it's hard to figure out who yourself is. Like you have to go on a journey. You have to try shit out. You have to make mistakes. Yep. It might not be till you're like 40 till you're like, oh, you know what? I'm finally comfortable with myself. It might take years of therapy. We don't know. Like, yeah. um, but there's also like the story thing. Like people don't think they're interesting enough or whatever. There's this, like Dude. fear around it or it's like, I'm unrelatable. I'm the weird one. I'm dealing with that right now with, oh, with yeah. an artist. I don't want to like say names, but it's real, man. And like we all struggle with mental health and uh, body image stuff and you you do have to like put yourself out there man and like there's gonna so be relatable photos. yeah yeah I there's mean, other people out there like I do that. it too on my little lowly Instagram account where I'm like man I don't look good I don't want to post that you know we all have that um, but I think the artists that tend to do well are the ones who like get beyond that like we were talking about as you get older the I Ryan Oaks don't give and I'm shit. like this is just me and like the flaws and all and like you're gonna deal with it and i'm gonna talk about it like uh yeah like I you think, don't you don't I think, fat, oh, sorry yeah. go ahead sorry no, i'm gonna I let know. you finish i apologize i was just I gonna say i was just gonna say like it's okay to have the not perfect filtered thing and in fact the really well edited tiktoks and like cleanly edited shit that doesn't even work dude you want it to look a little like made on your phone and blurry perhaps and like that kind of for whatever reason in our human psyche these days is what we're drawn to. Like you think of the memes and the like comedy accounts on TikTok. Yeah, I'm not drawn to slow five. Like, you know, yeah. yeah, like when you see like when you're on TikTok and you see like a ad for Verizon Wireless and it's like a nice camera and all that, you're like swipe, swipe, swipe. So like, you know. <laughs> um Yeah, and and on that note, um what do you feel about like fabricating stories? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, are there stories out there? Like, is it ever worth like fabricating a story? Kind of thing. You know, like, <laughs> you know, to, let's say to the average person, to yeah. like the normal. Uh, man, I've never done it. So I can't really like speak on it. Like, it feels a little, you know, like stunty or gross to me. Um, it feels fake. But. I can see like the allure of it, you know, like, oh, we could like do this thing and make up this whole thing. But I would just as an honest person myself, I just wouldn't go down that hole because then it's like, when does it end? You got to keep lying to keep the story going. Like um, I see the temptation to do something like that or pull off a marketing stunt. Um, But I think in the end, people would see through it and feel a little cheated or something but I don't know this is unless can, you yeah this is, this is like a personal example that I was thinking of recently there's a 
for me, and this is like me versus somebody else, right? A classic example of like fabricating versus not fabricating. There's someone on Twitter, I forgot his username, but it's like ADHD Steven, something like that. <laughs> Steven's entire brand, I don't think that was his actual username, but Steven's entire brand is helping people cope and find out the, tr- find out the truth about ADHD, how they can cope oh, with cool. it. Like that's his brand. That's sick. For me, I, I have severe oh, ADHD, okay. right? I'm, I'm in his potential target demographic, but it would feel super inauthentic if I were to like make a brand off of being ADHD. Oh, really? I would never want to be pitied. I don't want anybody to give a shit. Like that would feel really wrong. And even if it was lucrative, hmm. I wouldn't ever do it. Interesting. Do you like his but page? He probably, he, or do you... No, I think it's stupid. Okay. <laughs> I don't think anybody should. I personally, this is a personal belief. I don't okay, think anybody okay. should identify as Is he trying as to like troll and cause harm? No, or... no, okay. he's, he's doing okay, good. Okay, okay, okay. The point, the point is like he's doing good and he's helping a lot of people. And if he, if if I were to try to do the same thing because I saw how lucrative it was for him, mm. it'd be really inauthentic. Mm. So like for him, even if you have the same story, this this quote that I thought of, uh, there was somebody that said, I think it was like podcast training. Somebody I forgot who it was, but there's a podcast that said everybody is significantly more interesting. Like their stories are more interesting than they think. Mm, so it's like, like even if you are bland and boring, I there's something that. about you. Maybe it is you coping with ADHD. Maybe oh, it boy. is you being upset that you don't have kids or you, you had kids too young or something like yeah. something where like most we have this thing where humans think that they're the only ones going through this issue. For sure. But if we're open about it, if we're, we don't ever have to fabricate a story as long as we're authentic. And it's hard to be open. It's hard. Even it's you hard. telling me that you have ADHD, I, I didn't know that until now. And it's like, now I want to ask you a bunch more stuff. But yeah. like, I totally am a big believer in, in oversharing the older I get. I think I struggle. Oh, oversharing. Yeah, yeah. You're a know. big believer in oversharing. Well, to an extent. To, yeah, 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 like whether it's got to be the right medium, it's got to be the right, you know, I guess I'm I'm blurring the lines between like, interpersonal communication and and like social media no but i like that idea yeah yeah what do you what do you mean like what's a healthy amount of oversharing i mean for me like if you're in a studio session and this is something that i'm lucky enough because position we have studios on our campus uh here in la but have the camera rolling dude like just you never know like those moments like have you guys you guys have all probably seen that like timbaland showing jay-z uh what is it? The 99 problems beat or something <laughs> like, thank God someone was fucking recording yeah, that yeah, moment yeah. where Jay-Z is doing the like the squinty face and Timbaland's playing the beat. Cause like, that's so cool. Like that's the, that's the point of like uh, a huge cultural song moment, like platinum record, like coming to life. And like, dude, you never know when like that might pop off. And, you know, luckily our phones and cloud servers, you, you have the luxury of just like rolling like we are now. Yeah. Um, and so like, just have the chance to overshare. Like I always tell my artists like, dude, just turn the Nobody's camera. Nobody's going to be interested in and this. If but like, and if it's actually, boring and stupid, just delete the video. Yeah. Like, but if there's like, if you're like, damn, that was like a really good session. I felt like I really jived with that producer or whatever it is. And like, I might just hold on to that. And then, I don't know, six months later, you release the track and it's all of a sudden charting or something. You have this moment where you're like, you can share that creative juice. And I think like on a philosophical level, like that inspires more people to do it. And it kind of creates this snowball of just like, 
uh, creativity, man. So like share that shit, you know, that's like some special sauce right there. I love that. I mean, again, for the super fan, like I'm not, I'm not a fan of music creation in the sense that like, I'm not going to go watch a documentary about some, an artist that I don't give a shit about. True. It's only the ones like music documentaries. Well, I mean, yeah, but maybe not, especially I I don't, I'm not as a big documentary person. Oh, interesting. See, I'm a nerd about that shit. I love love it too. But but even I, who is not in the demographic of a classic documentary, if I really like someone, I'm going to watch their documentary. Totally. Totally. So that's that's very interesting. It's like, anyway. um, But I want to get into another practical thing. You know, some advice. Um, You texted me about potentially wanting to talk about writing a proper press release. Yeah. So going into authenticity and presenting yourself um, organizing your rather than let's instead of saying creating your story, organizing your story. Yeah, wow. I'm presenting glad. your story. Maybe that's a better way. Yeah. Um, cool. What are some? What's the first off? What is the purpose of a press release and an EPK? Yeah, dude. Great question. Um, shameless plug, but this is a big part of my job at Position. I actually really? work okay. a lot with press agents and. I actually write a lot of our releases. Oh, you don't just like upload videos and put them <laughs> no, in YouTube no, tags? No, no, there's a whole other side of it. We're, we're still a pretty, we're kind of a big company, but I still wear a lot of hats there. And shameless plug, but I did go to school for journalism uh, at Indiana University. So I, I kind of know some things, but um, I think like a press release, the, the best advice I ever got from my journalism school teacher was people are lazy. Journalists are lazy. You want to almost make them be like, damn, this is really well written. I'm just going to copy and paste this into my article, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, as a journalist, they shouldn't do that. But as a PR agent, you want that to be the case where it's like so well dialed in. There's no spelling mistakes. The sentence structure is nice. The, the order of information. So press release 101, the headline is agonized over that headline. Like the little headline that like you Like you should agonize over that headline. You should the most is like, what is the, you a keep it short. Um, I'm, I'm also channeling Mr. Beast here. He's really good at titling YouTube videos. It's the same thing. It's like, what is that sticky kind of, uh, headline that's going to be like, cause these, these journalists get so many emails, pitches every day, what's going to stand out. And then B a killer image. Um, like I, you know, sometimes it's the album artwork a lot for me, but make sure your album art is like on point, but also like maybe there's a sick press image of the artist that like is really captivating or really colorful and, and pops. Um, and then that first, we call it the lead, L-E-D-E of the press release. L-E-D-E. The lead, yeah. Um, Not L-E-A-D. I think it's some journalism nerd thing, but... <laughs> It's, it basically That's means cool. the first sentence of the press release. And oh. essentially the first sentence should recap as best you can. Don't make it a run-on sentence, but like should just like fully t- in the most succinct, almost like vanilla way what it is. Like Kid Bloom releases Shaky Knees via Position Music today. Hey, I, 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 like, I did Kid Did I do yeah, Kid Bloom? I think you might have. Yeah. I, we sent a bunch of people. I don't know. That yeah, one, that ahead, one got us passed around a few times. <laughs> Uh, uh, and so like the first sentence, it's, it's almost like agonize over those three things, headline image, uh, first sentence. And then after I'm a big believer in quotes, give them a quote from you, whether you're writing your own press release or whatever, like, again, talking about that emotion, I always, 
the second paragraph, 99% of the time in my press releases is a quote from the artist of like, I wrote Shaking Knees when I did, I was, you know, going through some, some dark times or whatever. It's like, like says artist X, you know, and then that way, cause that's really what everyone wants to hear. Like, I'm also a big sports fan and <laughs> I read, I, believe it or not, I still read about basketball, my favorite sport, but really the older I get, I just skim for the, for the athletes quotes about the game. <laughs> like I kind of skip through uh, the, what the journalist is writing. I'm just like, okay, what did, you know, what did LeBron say about it? You know, that's what I really want. And so like, I think making sure that's at the top. And then as you go down the list, then you start to talk about past accolades, maybe past uh, releases and kind of like, oh, you know, got a co-sign on Spin Magazine last year or whatever. Um, that's kind of like the auxiliary information, but try to keep it to just a page. Like the longer you go, it, you have, you're going to have a tendency, especially when you're writing about yourself, to write, 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 add, 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 add. Delete, 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 man. Like keep that under a page at the bottom, put all your, your contact info. Like here's my Twitch, here's my Instagram, here's my TikTok. Um, and then, you know, let it ride from there. And a lot of times a, a well-written press release, the journalists, if they're doing their job, will follow up with you and be like, Hey, I actually want to like have you on my podcast or I want to interview you. And then you can really get into the like, uh, more fuzzy, like deeper, detail stuff but the press release should be really like like it's it's, it's almost like a bigger formula. bigger target yeah wider sure. net. and then the ones that who want to climb down that rabbit hole yeah. have something else so i want to take a step back before that should first off why a press release mm. two when a press release mm. when when is it a good time mm. to get a press release good questions also yeah. like there's various levels of this like we i I work at a label. I still use Submit Hub, dude. Like, really? I, I know that's maybe I'm doing it wrong, and someone please tell me. But like, I still find value in Submit Hub. We still do it as a label at position. We love the like the indie third party, you know, small bedroom journalists. Like, we that's insane to me that you're not. Yeah. Like, you're not like. But we also do the bigger ones. Like, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With, like, but I mean, agency. like, still, like, that's a. I mean, if. If it wasn't worth it, you wouldn't do it. We find value in it, man. And like, it just looks better. It's so too. accessible. Like <laughs> yeah, anybody yeah. can do that. If you don't know what it is, Submit Hub is this like, I think you pay like a, I don't even know the monetary. They have credits and it's this whole thing, but it's not. It's like a dollar it's for like submission. Cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cheap. And you basically get your music heard by like playlist editors and journalists. There's like a, now there's an option for influencers. Like it's actually a pretty well run website. Yeah. And you probably um, pay for like PR people as well. Yeah, that like reach yeah. out for you. But then, then yeah, for our bigger artists, we're dealing with like a, a hired monthly retainer press agent. Um, but it's the same scrutiny of like pitching your music on submit hub versus like doing it through a, a bona fide IRL human, you know? It's so, like so why, why a press release? Why do people, why should people? Be yeah. You know, it's a good question. The press, it's a whole other podcast is like music <laughs> press, but, um, I do think it adds a level of validity when you have, uh, journalists, a music journalist who writes about you. I think it just, you think of like Googling when you Google an artist and instead of just their own links, you instead have saying, like, I'm awesome. Yeah. It's you like, Oh, someone else, else does. And like, uh, it just adds like, it's almost like a verified badge or something like that. Like, like 
Social validity. Yeah. And like, it's hard to get, man. I'm not saying it's easy, dude. Like I strike out every time, like a lot with, with like some press and you, you can't take it personally. Um, there's only so much space on these like more premium websites, but when you do get that look, it just kind of like, it's like a stamp of social currency. Yeah. that's, That's the best way to put it really. It's just like, okay, like this is on the scene. Also it does like like practically help with SEO and like Google, Mm. like uprinks, like certain publications. It also can help you get a Wikipedia page. Like it can open a lot of doors for like SEO kind of things. Like, um, you know, Wikipedia is a whole other kind of mark. It's a weird, like artist asked me, yeah, it's this weird zone, right? It's like, I've tried to get a Wikipedia page too. Like it's a whole rabbit hole. (laughs) But I think when I have been successful and get in Wikipedia pages for my artists, it's because they have press. And I can, it's not like, you know, Wikipedia can see through if like, oh, it's Paul from Position Music applying for Artist X. Like, no. But if I say, wait, they were written in Spin Magazine or Pitchfork or, you know, they have like that, then I've had a lot higher success rate with like Wikipedia. Can you pay for press in these bigger things? Like if somebody independent wants to get onto Pitchfork or something more substantial. Yeah. Can you email them and pay for the service or is it straight up they, they'll they come to you? It's a good question. There are some publications that will do a little like, oh, buy some ads on my site. And there's a whole like weird scummy kind of uh, I don't remember the name belly. of it, but there's probably something like Galaxy LA that just emails everybody. I'm not going to say anything, but uh, yeah, there's that stuff out there. I think the tried and true, the pitchforks, the spins, the billboards, the varieties – they're, they have ethical journalists on staff and they're not going to like let money. They're going to try to be as pure as possible. And, but again, it, it does decay. It goes back to our thing of like, what's going to get them clicks, <laughs> you know? like, yeah. And so it is this kind of thing of like, uh, you, you have to drive uh, traffic to their website if they're going to run your thing. And so you do have to think of it like that. But I, if I were you advice or whatever, I wouldn't do any pay to play journalism stuff out there. I think it's tempting. I get it. The allure even, of it. Even with but, Submit Hub, you're paying for it, but they have to approve it. Correct. There's like an approval. Like exactly. They have to like it. There's no like guarantee with Submit Like Hub. it's okay to have a little bit of gatekeeping. Yeah, like that means yeah, that they have something to quality to right, share. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, the idea of like, okay, so when press release is it alongside an album is it with shows or is it just whenever you fucking can (laughs) uh i always do mine like let's just go with the traditional friday release day i always send mine out on like tuesday or wednesdays when we would do the submit hub and we would say hey this is coming out on friday because the idea being like the journalist gets it on wednesday night they read it they think about it they look at what they're posting and then they decide if they have it. I think it's too late if it's on the day of release. I think the ship has already sailed. Usually you want it like on day of release, like new song out now. Um, and then that's so that 48 hours before a release is kind of what I've done. Now, tour marketing is a whole other thing. Um, that one. I have so many questions about tour. Yeah, that's a whole. Utilizing tour. I mean, that, it, we won't even get into It's that. a whole other <laughs> podcast, dude. I'd have to come back for that one. But with those, you usually have like a big announced day and you're sometimes with those depends again on the size of the artist, but like you'll actually um, have like a, a premier partner, like 
I don't know, stereo gum will, will like run your dates first or whatever. And like, you have this whole thing and you like behind the scenes, like let them be the premiere. You like put fishing lines out there and like, do you want to premiere this and be the first to like announce it? Um, so I've had those situations, which is always kind of nice. Um, but you know, tour dates too. also like the venues like to have the announced day. They like to have the on sale day. It's like a whole different kind of beast. Um, so, but I would do it for every release, you know, throw, save, if you can, if you're, if you're fortunate enough, like 10 to 50 bucks on submit hope can, can help. Yeah. Okay. Because we're running out of time, I want to ask you a couple questions real briefly. Thoughts on utilizing AI for marketing. Briefly. Wow, man. Um, so I use it. I use it. I use use ChatGPT. For press releases. Actually. For press release, yeah. But that was the first thing I thought of when you were talking about writing being articulate. It was like I'm, I'm giving away all my secrets, but it it speeds me up, man, because I, I struggle with the blank canvas problem where I'm like the, the little cursor's blinking on a Google Doc and it's like nothing's in there yet. And so sometimes I'll type in chat GBT, like, okay, write a release for an artist. And it doesn't have to be an artist that has press. You ChatGPT is crazy, you guys. You can be like, you can almost like trick it to be like, you describe like an artist from Brooklyn who makes electronic music and, you know, was born in blah, blah, blah. And it can like totally like. Dude, I use it all the time for, for the description yeah, of the episodes. Yeah. It's insane. But then I do think, and I, and I hope this never gets lost, but maybe the AI will get so good that it can start doing this for me. I definitely... Ed, like edit that, oh, yeah. you know, it's not like perfect out the gate. I've never, ever, ever have like paid, like sent off what chat. But it saves you wrote. time. But it's, it will save me that Worth initial. It? Yeah. Thumbs I, up. I think I, I'm like a, I'm like a, a moderate thumbs up. I think it, um, I think it helps me. It augments me and, 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 you know, it saves me time. That's really amazing. Um, it just gets the ball rolling and like all of a sudden I have text to respond to and I can edit from there and I'm much more comfortable doing that than like the blank, you know, starting from scratch can get a little intimidating sometimes. I think a lot of people agree with you on that and that's a great tool to utilize. Um, another thing too, uh, and we'll end it on this, right? Is I have a song, regardless of whether or not it's good, I believe in it. I believe in it. My friends believe in it. Mm. Maybe they're liars and they just want to support me regardless <laughs> no. of what I do. But the point is, I believe in this product, this song, right? And I'm willing to go as far. I only make $36,000 a year, but I'm willing to go ahead to go as far as to spend 1000 or $2,000 on marketing alone. Mixing wow. Mastery is already done. Song's already done. Great. But I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just getting started. I only have a few hundred. I'm a local person. Yeah. What are the, what is some Ooh, of the, the first and this. most effective things at a starting level to use that budget? I love this question, DK. Um, content. So are we assuming that like I would hire, if it were me, I would hire a up and coming hungry college kid to help me shoot my own content. Cause I think, I think um, we talked about it earlier today, like, it can be hard to like film yourself and be by yourself making this stuff. But for whatever reason, when you have one other person filming you, it just feels 
a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> no, this gets me so excited. Keep going. Uh, yeah, it just it just makes it a little bit more legitimate. You can also you can tell it's not someone else is filming you. I think it adds to the like look of it. So that would be my first. Let's just say two thousand dollars. Before you go into the second thing, before you go into the second, the reason why I got so excited over that answer is because. I'm assuming that almost anybody that doesn't have a clue what they're doing, including myself, my first thought was pay for a press release, Mm-mm. pay for some video. You said pay for videographer yeah, yeah. to make not a music video, but Short content, form, TikToks content and shit. Yeah. That's I mean, what I that's, cr- that's like, yeah. Holy, aw- that's so awesome. Nobody thought to do that. Cause dude, that's going to give you the dartboards at TikTok to, catch the algorithm to catch what this podcast caught on Apple Music and Spotify more so than I think that the the press release the boosting of posts Not and all running that ads. stuff yeah that comes later um that comes I like to think of it as like the best ads and I do boost a lot of posts the best ones that have worked are when the artist has an organic snowball happening organically and we we the word, phrase we use is like put gasoline on it and just kind of like you know, lubricate it to more people or whatever you want to call it. And like, it's not, if, if the, if the asset isn't working organically, it's not going to work paid and uh, on the paid side. At least that's my theory. I'm going to say that one more time. Uh, if the content isn't working organically, it's yeah. not going to work if it's boosted or paid for. It's just going to be a waste. That of is a great way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you said number one is con- hire someone. How much content should you be making? Like, how much do you want to, like, how much, yeah. 25% of your budget? 100% of your budget? Like, yeah. Uh, I would do, you know, these are rough numbers, but 75% towards content, I'd say. Really? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. On the on the, the the capturing and the editing. Yes. Yes. Really? That's and, awesome. Uh, and then I would say the 25% is kind of this earmarked, what, as you release organic content if something catches you have 25 percent to boost that post also i wanted to get into the nitty-gritty spotify marquee have you guys heard i don't know spotify i marquee. guess i should explain what it is Please, yeah. but some t- i don't know if you guys have ever logged you, you, into spotify. you texted me about like spotify yeah, yeah. new new text <laughs> yeah marquee is this uh it's it's spotify's boosted post if you will and what it does is it is you know how you have followers and listeners on Spotify. Well, when you release and you go into your Spotify for artists now, if you go to uh, manage song, um, up it's in the upcoming tab. I can like do this in my sleep at this point. Uh, you can hit uh, campaigns, and you can you can put. You don't need a ton of money actually. Like um, it can be as low as I think fifty dollars is the minimum. And what it does is I don't know if you've ever opened Spotify DK, but it'll like have the full page takeover of like new music from Toro y Moi, like listen now and it's kind of this like wait like, that that light that yeah. light screen thing or yeah. whatever yeah the exactly. pop-up the pop-up you pay for you, that yeah that's the marquee <laughs> that's the marquee dude and it works man and like people will click it i've clicked it um what's cool and spotify that's insane i didn't know that was accessible what's cool is that you can only and I, i'm really happy spotify did this because i think if they opened it up to anyone you can only reach people that um have listened to your music before you can't like uh, pay for like, otherwise we'd be getting like thousands of them, and we'd get, be yeah, like, yeah. it wouldn't be better for them. Like if yeah. if I got like some country music artist, I'd be like, what the hell is that? You know, because I don't listen to country personally. But it would remove the experience, but far from the because yeah. they can only the artists that I listen to can can re, can ping me. It like 
excites me. Like Tori Moi dropped a new album. I had no idea. I'm, I'm going to listen to that right now. Yeah. That to me is the best at the moment, best use of like media money in, in the cow. game right now. So, okay. So briefly, most of your budget, get nicer, more focused and high quantity yes. of content. Yes. And the, yeah. And experiment. Do, do as far as what you've told me from the episode, experiment on a lot of different types. Like maybe some entertaining in this way, maybe some real and like down to heart. Yeah. Maybe some funny stuff. Some informational what, ones. Oh, yeah. anything. Just yeah. experiment. Yeah. If any of them sticks, if any of them it gets boosted by the algorithm, which means people are interested in it, boost that, potentially boost that post. Exactly. Um, so, but let it go through its algorithm experiment. Yeah, exactly. Give it 48 hours. I usually rarely boost the same day. I, what about boosting on specific algorithms? Like boosting on Instagram, YouTube. Mm. Is there one that's better for boosting than, is it worth boosting TikTok, on TikTok? I think it is. Okay, it is. Okay. I would say uh, TikTok over IG at the moment. These things can change. Spotify number one. YouTube is a sneaky one, by the way. YouTube boosting is a way, uh, it's actually one of my favorite platforms to just the UI of it and everything. I really like it. Um, here are my rankings. Spotify, TikTok, YouTube, IG. And then Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, last. That's That's... For music. I mean, music. this is this is so insightful. And even I am like totally like dumbfounded. Like this was such so, so many things to think about, such quality information. And because yep. even at like you do this all the time at a super high level, but there's a lot of things that like I didn't even think about. I don't think about. You know what I'm saying? And huh. I'm sure there's oh, people out here that like that are really highly gonna benefit from this. Hell yeah. Um, I love that. And DK, I'm going to plug you for a second. This dude's oh, a gosh. beast master mixing engineer. Helps us with a ton of music at Position and Hive. You guys are all learning from the best. Uh, and also just, it's been awesome getting to know you. Uh, and thanks for like having me on. You can, if if you do have follow-up questions, whether you're DK or out there, I'm Paul Crary. P Paul so yeah, underscore. where can people find you? Yeah, do you Paul, yeah, Paul underscore Crary. On Instagram is probably the best way. And then um, Position Music is is the company I work at. Uh, Position Music, spelt normal, on all the social platforms. Honestly, I spend more of my time on those uh, than than my personals these days. Um, so, Yo, Paul's going to be way too busy to answer any of your DMs <laughs> if you listen to this episode five years too late, okay? <laughs> right. So as soon as this episode drops. That's when you hit you me. Wanna, you Paul hit underscore right Crary. Yeah, Follow yeah, yeah. Paul, hit him up. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, but I'm also, I'm like, like, I have a weird Web three persona that I don't want to mix my worlds right now, but I'm on. I'm on there. That's so. <laughs> but fun. I do. I'm like a gamer nerd. That's actually how DK and I really hit it off. <laughs> yeah, because keyboards. you build mechanical keyboards too. <laughs> so I'm in that shit. Uh, but yeah, Paul underscore Curry at Instagram. Well, thank you so much, Paul. This is yeah. actually a really great episode. Maybe we'll do like a a, a part two eventually in the future. I'm down, um, man. I, but, we're so fucking close to each yeah, other, Yeah, dude. dude this is insane. <laughs> dude, I, I don't know. There's something about this that gets me excited because I'm so frustrated with all my really close friends or like artists that I truly believe in, but they just haven't figured it out. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's not the music stopping them. You know, it's like you listen to this person with like 16 monthly listeners, but you're like, God know, damn, man. like to provoke something in you that like you've never felt. Keep trying guys and don't give up. And, you know, we talk about the pros of the algorithm. I did want to just say it can be 
depressing to be on the other side where it's not catching and you're like, what's wrong with me? And, you know, that's a natural it's reaction. A, it, totally. And I get that. And it's my fault. Yeah. I suck. <laughs> like really? You got to, as much as I can tell you, just keep trying and keep throwing darts at that dartboard. Cause if the music is authentic and real and um, you're being yourself, I think people will find you, you know, and it just, it's literally a matter of, it's a numbers game of like rolls of the dice. Mm-hmm. So, and, and uh, if there was a secret formula that all the labels are keeping secret, <laughs> then they wouldn't have to pay Paul so much goddamn money and give him a budget to, to throw I random wish. darts. If you at know wall. that formula, please fucking tell me. There's God. not a number of choruses that you put in. That's more of an A and R question. Totally. Right? But, but like, people are like, "What's there the is. secret sauce?" I think the most insightful thing that you taught us today is that. This is all normal ass shit done at a high level of efficiency and high level of understanding yeah. of like, you just have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah, man. And it's so hopeful. Like it's was, a very hopeful I was listening message. to your podcast, an older episode, and you were talking about how like you can blame the gear, the ear. You had this whole little bit about like your, your gear and stuff. And like, dude, the people that are making moves are the ones who just use what they got. And are like make like Fortet is one of my favorite artists, and he has this Instagram post that just sticks with me the every day. But he goes, "Here's what I've recorded this epic album on. Um, it, it's his. Um, uh, I can see the album art, but I can't think of the name right now. Wow. Um, but it's just a freaking MacBook and like one little MIDI 25 key keyboard on the side, and it's like a platinum record, probably. Like it's huge, and it's just like damn. Like he just <laughs> was literally in Ableton." one little MIDI keyboard and like could make it. And then he didn't use any excuse. He wasn't like whining about anything. He just like did the work, you know? Yeah, it's and it's I so think, funny because it only seems it only appears genius and thoughtful and smart in retrospect. Totally. It all like Mr. Beast only seems so calculated <laughs> because he's fucked up so many times. That's like now he seems smart in retrospect. But nobody no, no producer of even commercial can know what's going to hit. Totally, dude. But you only see, yeah, you yeah, only see Genio in retrospect, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is crazy. Anyway, we could go on and on. I'm, this has been an awesome fun, episode. Man. Thank you so much. Uh, please rate five stars, Mixing Music Podcast. That helps us a lot. It's an easy way to build uh, an audience for us and help us boost us on our algorithm. We appreciate y'all listening. Um, go check out our sponsors. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com slash exclusive for our exclusive episodes for more mixing and mastering tips to help you level up. Um, and on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.